Good evening. My name is Josh, and I'm joined as always by Aaron and Bob. We are the folks who can be find the method of the madness, reason and the unreasonable, and make sense out of nonsense, because this is okay! Hear me out. Aaron and Bob, how y'all doing this evening? Great. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely awesome. great. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know what I think was? I think the cabin trip just rejuvenated me. It was 14 months without cabin, and it... It was too much. That was too long to go. I I want to think I was I needed some uh, Rockefeller medicine to really balance me out, really take the edge off. <laughs> really, because I kind of lots of nice prescription drugs in the cabin to help you balance out. I kind of equaled out at the cabin with non-prescription drugs there. It was kind of nice, <laughs> but I feel the same. That vacation, whoa, whoa. really helped yeah. out a little bit. Going harder than a baby Tylenol. The, the child yeah, aspirin yeah, some over-the-counter kind of stuff yeah totally unfortunately uh you saying you didn't have prescription drugs automatically disqualifies you from ever being a doctor as of uh i don't know forever since 1910 because i cannot wait to talk to you about the insane shit that i dug up well but before we go in the, into that um aaron we have a voicemail number that people call into regularly because they have exciting things to say about the show uh, or, you know, give us shit about. What is that voicemail number? That is 1-833-666-911. That's 1-833-666-0911. Which is the correct way to say it, and I've always said it that way, so fuck everybody that's giving me shit about that. <laughs> We've already settled this, Aaron. <laughs> Calm down. I will never let anything go. <laughs> Ever as we yeah we as, as we've learned voicemail a couple voicemails actually uh yeah actually we'll take a break I, at the end and drive. just and and look okay okay see if they're worthy of being played because I completely forgot to check the voicemail which is par for the course yep I was checking like a week ago <laughs> so when there's an awkward pause at the end of the end of the episode and then we start the voicemails and uh it just seems like an unnatural break that's always how we do it every time so every time well, that's you know, how we, we, do we always voicemail. do the episodes we always do the voicemails post credit scene we always do them however right. we decide that day that's how we always do it every you know time. there doesn't there doesn't have to be a long pause for something like that we could just get cabbage to cut the long pause out <laughs> Oh, you want to pay a extra? You have uh, <laughs> a lot of faith in our editor. Just to put that out there. Oh, he's great. But anyways, <laughs> topic for you guys today. I know, I know that it seems like, or at least it seemed like for like six straight episodes, that a certain tribe of people with tiny hats do all of the tricks, but they don't. There is this guy that we have mentioned before. John D. Rockefeller, who is the king of the grabblers. He is the he is the god emperor of grabbling. Everything this guy does is psychotically evil. When you said there's a thousand Lex Luthers and no Superman, he's worth a thousand Lex Luthers. Lex Luther had John D. Whoa, Rockefeller. He's brainiac? Oh my god. Dude, Sorry. he had John D. Or, uh, Lex Luthor definitely had John D. Rockefeller action figures growing up because he aspires to be this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. crazy. So, you know how we talked about how uh, Carnegie and Rockefeller took over education? Yes. Yeah, yep. Uh, they also invented Western medicine. Did you know that? Um, what do you mean invented? 
I'm confused. You mean the, the good kind of medicine, right? Yes, the good kind. Because uh, what happened was he owned a bunch of pharmaceutical companies. They started developing uh, vaccines and different types of drugs. And then they uh, and he wanted to monopolize the market on that. It's easy enough. So I, I believe you mean uh, it, it centralized regulation on the market to better assure quality. Oh, it's, uh, you know, drugs are no drugs. Vaccines are no you know, careless matter. You have to be very, very. We'll get into that. Careful with them. We'll get into the centralizing of the medical industry and all of medical schooling. But that was this guy's plan to start off. And this is in like 1905. He decides he wants to take over education, medical education, and Basically, too, uh, he wants to create a demand for his product, which is a giant drug industry that's being completely funded by his giant oil monopoly. So how would you go about doing this? Well, let's see. Uh, In 1910, at that time, there was 166 medical schools in America. By 1939, there was 76 medical schools in America, and the last, the very last uh, eclectic medical school closed in 1939. And at that time, once that school closed, every single one of the 76 remaining medical schools all followed a set curriculum, a standardized curriculum for medical school. So, wait, hold on. What shut down, like, over half of those medical schools then? What, uh, why did they shut down during that period? Per- perfect question. What well, because there, there was a lot of things going on in that timeline. There's the, the Dust Bowl, which was definitely mm-hmm. real. The Great Depression. Uh, World War One, Leading up to World War Two. I mean, like, a lot of shit happened. Yep. So, and okay. schools that promoted... The new Western ideal of medicine, uh, they got huge amounts of funding from John B. Rockefeller. How much, you'd say? Well, from 1901, when they founded the Rockefeller Foundation, to 1945, any school that promoted what he wanted them to, which uh, which was literally drug treatment. Like, the way we treat everything now, you know, when you hear things like Ambien or uh, Zoloft or any of those types of that method of treating things where you're just constantly treating things with prescription drugs, if you promoted that, you got half a billion, uh, your cut of a half a billion dollars between 1901 and 1945 that they handed out as donations to schools. And if you didn't, uh, preach that, then you got nothing. So those schools stayed in business and the other schools didn't. But that wasn't enough. See, if you were a school that could just float by without your Rockefeller donation, even during the trying times of the Dust Bowl, which was totally real, and the Great Depression, what he did was he... F- well, the, the Dust... And quick interruption, the Dust Bowl was in the Midwest. If we remember anything about the Rockefeller education plan, it's that uh, the fine folk of the Midwest aren't supposed to learn how to be doctors and lawyers. They're supposed to learn how to be tradesmen. So there weren't any doctors there. The Dust Bowl did not affect uh, medical education at all. Don't worry. 
Yeah, no, all the all the uh, herbs that they were growing to treat stuff actually blew away with the topsoil. <laughs> so, uh, there was a, an association founded in the early 1800s called the American Medical Association. And they basically got taken over by the Rockefeller Foundation because they just funded the whole thing. To the point where, like, you know, like, we talk about Bill Gates and how he funds different, he has different foundations that he uses to levy influence uh especially with like i have a story about that later oh really perfect same deal he (laughs) this is what rockefeller did with the ama uh him and carnegie both were the main contributor they floated the entire ama filled it with their own nominees and then got uh this guy abraham flexner who worked for carnegie to present a report wait hold on flexner yeah. Ab- so, so what does what does the AMA do? What does the American Medical Association do? Why why are they important before for the education and all that? Before 1910, all they were was a conglomerate of different doctors and stuff that were trying to come up with a standardized way to treat people, a you know, standardized way for for medical research. That's literally all they were. It's just a cl- uh, just okay. a group of doctors. Yeah, Collecting the knowledge and experience from across the country and, and decades of you know expertise to try and improve the medical field and uh, spread that, yep. promulgate those ideas. Exactly. Great. And then they had the backing of two of the biggest philanthropists uh, the world has ever known, John D. Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie. So they fund the AMA, and then they get this guy, Abraham Flexner, who worked for Carnegie, who... Has described how did how was he described? He was described as neither a physician, scientist, or a medical educator, but he did have a bachelor of arts degree, so he had that going. (laughs) Beautiful. And what was his role? That uh, what's that? I'm sorry. What was his like? What did he do? You you getting into that? Sorry, his role. He worked for Carnegie, and he wrote a a report, a medical report called the Flexner Report. And to present well, to it Congress. was about medical education to, to try and revolutionize and standardize that. Yeah. And he had to present that to Congress. So uh, on behalf of basically Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller uh, and his brother worked for. So his brother was on the board of the Rockefeller Foundation, Simon Flexner and Abraham Flexner worked for Carnegie and Abraham Flexner is the one that puts together this report. Uh, and so basically his report says. There are many schools that teach eclectic medicine, botanical and herbal medicine, holistic medicine, and naturopathy. These schools are not in line with the pharmaceutical uh, drug method of treating patients. So that since these schools that he basically said he what they started doing was they labeled them alternative medicine. So if you were uh, any of these, if you were any eclectic school of medicine, you were, they just started labeling you as alternative medicine and said that, like, this is all just like quackery. These are like snake oil salesmen. These herbs don't do shit for you, which we know that there's plenty of actual natural cures for everything. But go ahead. Sorry. This was the report in 1910 where he said all of this, right? Yes. So I'm wondering, kind of building off of that, going into when all of the change, when all of the reinstitution of standardized medical schools actually took place over the next 20, 30 years, 
that's when the world wars one and two happened and plenty of people dying plenty of people getting sick you, you know more than normal because of these uh, the major wars and there was all of these instances to i'm sure test what these new doctors were learning and to uh, you know see how effective it is see build upon medicine and a huge demand to build upon uh, the the uh, cache of doctors in america so with do you, do you have any background on how some of that might have influenced or if the military influenced um some of what flexner was doing at all honestly didn't even um almost none of it really had to do with uh i'm sure like great Dep- the great depression and the different wars put some like financial strain on some of these colleges but as far as how they took control of it really wasn't influenced by that as much as you'd think it would be. What they really did was with the Flexner report as the main paper that they, that would be referenced, they got Congress to make it so that the AMA, this collection of doctors funded by Carnegie and Rockefeller were the only ones allowed to accredit colleges to be allowed to give doctors medical licenses. Well, I mean, they are the experts. Like, it, do, you, do you want just any random college, any random old kook to give out medical licenses? From, from what I was reading before, uh, half the time it was, you know, barely high school educated or well, apprentices who were becoming doctors. Sorry. I mean, back in the day, they're basically, like, they're sewing up wounds, and they're pulling bullets out of people. Like, they're not, like, and they're giving people, like, onion soup. Like, if they get shot in the gut, they give them, like, onion soup and be like, oh, yeah, I smell the onion through your gut, you're going to die. Like, that that's basically, like, what doctors (laughs) did, like, before 1900. (laughs) No, honestly, Bob, no. You know what, really? Because, like, uh... Eastern medicine has been practiced like well they call it Eastern medicine because they made it sound they wanted to make it yeah, sound that's, that's like the it's, bad kind of medicine right yeah they want to make it sound like it's just a bunch of like Chinese voodoo you know like that's all it is and it's just all all they did was they put leeches on your dick and hoped you got better like that's they want you to think that that's what herbal remedies are. and they make it seem like everybody in the 1800s was a giant caveman well. I didn't bring up herbal remedies like that. That's completely different. But what I'm saying is that like if you broke a bone, if you got like like uh, an actual like physical wound on you, not like an internal thing going on. I understand the internal thing. You know, it's like if someone has like a gallbladder issue or like an appendix issue or something like that, I'm sure they had like remedies for that to take care of that. So they wouldn't eventually like get worse and die from something like that. But what I'm saying is that, like, it, it was still, like, very, very crude, especially with, like, the mechanical portion of w- what they did. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, surgeries and shit like that and different uh, inventions for tools and machines and sterilization has gotten better. But honestly, kn- wait, honestly, like, the, the best innovation in medical technology has been sterilization. <laughs> Like, yeah. hands down. It's probably one of the most important uh, breakthroughs in, in, like, medical science. Yeah, just... Thanks, in- Bill Gates. Oh, sorry, you're talking about that sterilization. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking. Okay, moving on. So... <laughs> yeah, I'm so proud of myself. That one. That was stupid. That was it answer. was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, but they want you to believe, though, that when you hear these stories, how they would present what medicine was before the AMA standardized it, before Rockefeller and Carnegie came along, 
they make sure that you know that medicine pre-1900 was literally like bloodletting and praying a lot. Like, they knew about infections. They knew how to try to prevent infection. They didn't have all the tools for it, so infection rates were higher. But it's not because they didn't know what they were doing. They weren't, like, running around doing a bunch of voodoo like they they want you to believe is what was happening. Because that's not how the 1800s were. Like, that is a I, lot I think, of misinformation uh, and propaganda spread by the people that wanted to monopolize medicine in the way we know it now. So that you I, are, I, I think you trust today's medicine and you think that before was horrifying. I think what you're kind of trying to say is, like, they had passed down knowledge of how to, like, either cure or remedy these certain things. But they didn't have, like, the analytical skills to, A, explain it uh, or completely understand what was happening to, like, kind of like doctors today. They're like, oh, yeah, you have this problem. It's because of this and because of that. And it's like, they could never do that. But they could just give you, like, you have this problem, like, oh, yeah, this part of your gut hurts, here, drink this, and you'll feel better. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah, it's like, here, you gotta have some chamomile, you gotta stop eating bread, and you have to get some exercise. Like, that's the kind of shit that they would tell you. Like, uh, and then when you have it today, with all the science in the world, we've already proven that they're like, it doesn't matter what you eat, just take this Zoloff and uh, follow the food pyramid. Uh, the end. <laughs> so I, I think I think what Aaron is trying to say is make medicine great again. Well, jeez. Oh, so how they how they argue this is that they this is the argument. Just this this one is a general fact for any time they try to centralize power in any way for any business, any industry, whatever it is, they use the same argument, and on the surface, it sounds smart. So what it is is. Okay, this example right here. They want to centralize uh, medical education. So they go, well, there's 166 schools just teaching a bunch of random stuff. We got to get this so we get we got to filter out all the quacks. Because you don't want uh, the guy next door doing your brain surgery. And it's like, no, that's why the customer has to have some amount of like looking into who's treating them. But the prop so the problem with centralizing it where they go, well, see, if we get a real centralized source of all this and we can really regulate it and it, you'll always get good medical care. That sounds right. The problem is there one thing has to be able to happen in order for centralizing an industry to be good. It has to you have to be able to guarantee that it won't be corrupted. You can't do well, that. There's also the issue that the medicine still works like that. You still shop around doctors and get second opinions on things. There's no evidence to suggest that the medical industry has been corrupted or can be corrupted. Oh, yeah. that's true. <laughs> that, I mean, they take a Hippocratic oath. <laughs> exactly. Obviously, they would the never oath. do anything. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I thought it was the hypocritical oath. <laughs> it's just like it's the, in oath the fucking that cops name, basically. It pretty it's much. Same, it's basically the same as like the oath that those. cops take to the Constitution, and then they go and start violating everyone's rights left and immediately. right. Immediately, so. yeah, oh, <laughs> immediately. Yeah. So uh, that is the. They always try to make the same argument for centralizing it. Oh, we have to take control of this because if we don't, it'll just be really terrible in some place. It's like, 
Stop! Stop! It's going to be corrupted immediately. Your air it's already been corrupted. That's why you're pushing for it so hard. Like that's it's always that. Um. So okay. Anyways. So what did the corruption lead to? So how how did their little like tangles get into like every system at this point? How how did it make it affect everything? Okay. So who's conspiring? It's centralized now. Then what happened? So in 1939, every medical school that exists in America teaches the exact same curriculum because anybody that taught, um, so, okay, basically anyone that taught any eclectic medicine were not allowed accreditation anymore because the AMA was the only ones that were allowed to accredit schools. Um, so any medical schools that offered training in uh, physiomedicalism, naturopathy and homeopathy were either told to drop those courses from the curriculum or lose their accreditation. So we just stopped teaching that because any school that couldn't closed. Last one that did closed in 39. So now it's all under one banner. Uh, here in, in 1948, so now you skip ahead a little bit, uh, how many ads do you see all the time for like drugs and shit? Like, <laughs> last time I was visiting my parents and uh, watched watched the evening news, there it was every ninety uh, percent of the ads they had to. Yeah, ninety percent of the ads on like uh, uh, what was it primetime news is fucking horrible. Yeah. It's sa- same as Josh. Like every time I go to my parents, they have like the like Fox News or CNN or whatever the fuck on, and every commercial is either insurance. Or pharmaceutical drugs. Yeah. And in 1948, the total revenue or the total advertising dollars spent in America was $1.1 billion. Rockefeller and Carnegie, their companies, uh, or sorry, Rockefeller and JP Morgan, their companies uh, accounted for over 80% of all advertising dollars. So about a billion. Back in like eight hundred million this? out of in nineteen forty eight, they spent eight hundred million in advertising. So you need to connect a couple dots. So what's the connection between Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan, and what's their connection to pharmaceuticals? No, they own all the uh, pharmaceuticals, is what he's saying. They owned okay, eighty percent. So Rockefeller owned sixty eight different pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I couldn't even name that many drugs off the top of my head, and th- this is another, you know, seventy years later, we've come up with a lot of drugs since. Yeah. Oh yeah. Holy shit. His uh, his top holding company was uh, what was the name of it? It was Sterling Sterling Drug Company. Did uh, you know what they produced? I want to make fun of people back then for their problems. I think Sterling might have evolved into what today is considered Pfizer. Seriously? Okay. I, maybe. I, really, I would have to, I really I would have to do a deep case. dive on that, but a couple things that I've heard, it makes me think that. I don't know. I, In I don't 1945, to... they made $24.5 million after taxes. Which was over fifty percent of their total. Their total assets were only forty-five million. They made fifty-seven percent of their total assets. If if you're a company 
and you increase your your profit margin is six percent of your total assets, that's where you can consider yourself like we made it. He also yeah. had, he had several Just companies the lives they saved. Oh yeah, he he had several companies that made six hundred percent their total assets in a year. What? <laughs> yeah, it, pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I have a quick question. Do you know when, like, uh, they stopped selling radioactive material as, like, um, medical treatment back in the day? Because they used to put... Uh, they haven't. What are you talking well, about? No, no, yeah, no, what no, no, no. Uh, stop curing people? Well, because they used to put it in, like, uh, maybe deodorant, but also, like, perfume. They used to put radioactive material in perfumes, what, like toothpaste, what, and, What like, kind all of radioactive material... What's the the product? It's pro- what's the you know base material is probably coming from or mineral or whatever. Uh, what element you mean? Um, yeah, yeah I, what, I what's going it, uh, into the deodorant or perfume? I I think it was like boron or something like that. Like one of like the the offshoots, not like a uh, something that everyone's heard of. But at the same time, like they used to sell like radioactive material that you would just like put as like makeup or like you know like toothpaste and stuff like that. You got the but, glow about but, you. Yeah, because, well, I know that was, like, early, like, 1910s and stuff like that when we had, like, or early 1900s when we had the breakthrough in, like, nuclear physics and stuff like that. So, I don't know that. that well, might wasn't, be like, like thalidomide and stuff causing, uh, like, kids with flippers to be born? Yeah. yeah we that was in, like, before. the 50s or 60s. Look up, like, thalidomide poisoning and have nightmares for a month. It's crazy. Like, even now, your deodorant contains a bunch of heavy metals and stuff. It's like aluminum, and it it actually, the, the reason it works is it causes an allergic reaction because aluminum gets in your pores and closes up your pores. I'm not even kidding. Oh, okay, yeah. That's here. really cool. That's clever. So I was thinking of radium is one type of radioactive material that could be found in antiques. When radium was discovered in the early 1900s, people were fascinated by its mysterious glow, and it was added to... Many everyday products, including paints. Okay, yeah, they don't go into all the products on that little synopsis, but yeah. And beauty products, too, so, sorry. So, I, I don't know, this has something to play in it. They were, they were probably selling this shit. But I, I was just curious of when they stopped selling this, stu- this stuff and stopped, you know, giving radiation poisoning to everyone. Well, uh, that, maybe... I don't know. They like stop one thing and then they just do the next. Like now yeah, people are exactly. literally injecting fetal cells into their body and being like, yay, yay. <laughs> the, the aborted fetal cells used in the Johnson Johnson vaccine are just using the production uh, process. They're not actually delivered into your body. Do you want to see the end result of what happens when you have 80 years of propaganda and a complete stranglehold on an entire ma- uh, education system? Medical and otherwise. Bob, play that clip of that girl that's really excited for her uh, her Rockefeller treatment. Guys, guys, I literally just rented a car for the day so that I can get my first vaccine shot. I'm so excited. I am getting my first vaccine shot. I was eligible starting Monday. I looked, there's one appointment, but it's at a drive-thru area only, and I don't have a car, but... I was willing to rent a car so that you can stick a needle in my arm to get this vaccine. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. What? What about <laughs> for the people who can't afford to rent a car? It, it's, uh, 
it sounds like the government should be going door to door and to to help you know the what about all the poor minorities that can't advantage. afford driver's licenses yeah. or identification cards? Yeah, exactly. What are they supposed yeah. to do? Or a bus fare. <laughs> or a, <laughs> a bus rolling to... through a COVID-19 <laughs> drive through <laughs> vaccine station. <laughs> <laughs> like, when when I hear that, you know what I honestly, I, what I think? Buses always run on time. Uh, like, uh, 15 minutes I late. just feel sad. That's what I feel. The Zionists, uh, the, the psychopath Zionists are right. A lot of people are goy. They're human cattle. That is a human cattle. <laughs> Stop acting like that. They are goy. <laughs> I love they are. I like that so much better yeah. than like a sheeple or NPC thing. Yeah. yeah they're Fucking right. Goy. Like they're right <laughs> to be afraid of that person. What the f- like That's You should a absolutely try to control that person. That person is unstable. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not well, qualified no, that, to that's, be that's in charge we... of her own emotions. Yeah, that's why I have psychiatric drugs to help help control her. Yeah, because she's unstable. Like obviously, purely for sure help. Aaron, if you were to go to a doctor, you'd be diagnosed as unstable as well, and you could be prescribed something to help you with your issues. Oh, of course. And it, you know what? It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be diet and exercise because that's fucking. That's quackery. How how that's much too hard and too inconsistent. Silly. That's one of the things I really like. Is like as uh, as bad as like shit is now with like. All the just the COVID nonsense and how like, all it is, it's not it's not any worse. Like this is how bad it was in 1945. There was a complete stranglehold over you and you didn't realize it because you had more day to day freedoms. So you didn't whoa, realize whoa, whoa. how bad everything was getting. But now you just can see it. There's literally been like a revealing of information in the last 10 years where the technology eclipsed what these people can hide from you. See, I can't get on board. That is con- conspiracy nonsense. There is no COVID-19 nonsense going on. Worrying health officials who call mass vaccinations the only path to a return to normalcy. Almost four months into the vaccination effort, providers are beginning to run out of people who want to be euthanized. Uh, immunized. <laughs> so, <Uh-oh. laughs> somebody put the actual Rockefeller Foundation script in yeah. front of them instead of the... the Oh shit! <laughs> One for the public. Yeah, uh, Oops, producer I read got the fired I- italicized for that. script. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I'm what I'm hearing is that it's it looks like a big marketing problem to me because, like Bob was saying, back with uh, more traditional, you know, medicine, more traditional medicines and cures and homeopath uh, homeopathic approaches to things that oftentimes people were poured explaining what was going on, what was the actual diagnostic diagnosis, what was curing someone. So it's just, oh, my stomach hurts, drink this, you'll feel better. Or, oh, my heart hurts, uh, drink this, whatever, etc. Um, and from there, then you have all of these niche studies, practices of medicine, like naturopathy. Was that when you said, Aaron, who the hell is going to go see a naturopathist? Whereas, you know, if you see someone who has a nice, clean, well-branded Dr. MD title and set of set of credentials, that makes a lot more sense. And then me, I will go see a naturopathist, somebody that went to school, studied what plants can heal you from certain things their whole lives and is trying to be honest about it and will do that despite losing accreditation and not being able to practice as a doctor, that would be the first guy that I would go to. Absolutely. 
Okay. Oh, uh, sorry. That was the other thing. And then, um, and then from there, when you go to your doctor, it's not the gyms and the farmers who are giving them kickbacks and uh, giving him money. It's the pharmaceutical companies. Weird. And he always prescribes what they're selling. It's so bizarre, right? Like your doctor never just says, Hey, uh, you need to go on this exercise. A doctor never prescribes an exercise regimen. You ever notice that? Not once does the doctor say, "This is, here's your weekly workout you have to do it to be healthy. It's almost like they're not concerned with your health at all. They've gone through the same education system that's run by pharmaceutical companies to be a giant salesman for their drugs. That's all they are. That is what a doctor is. Yeah, basically like an internal medicine doctor is just there to focus on what problem you have and what drugs can fix that problem. I mean, like they kind of have an understanding that it's like, oh yeah, change this in your diet, get that out of your diet and start exercising more. But you never hear that, obviously. And so, it's well, I mean, the, a doctor will tell you that, but it won't be any specifics or guidance or education to actually, you know, demonstrate how to exercise and eat well. Because it's, it's not something we all just learn growing up magically, you know, what all these different micronutrients are or how to diet and it, like successful ways of exercise will go out and run and be like, oh, that two miles hurt. Oh, I did this few days in a row. Now I have shin splints because I didn't have any background or I didn't like, you know, go into a right or buy the right shoes or running's not the right form of cardio for me. Maybe I should be walking or ellipticaling or swimming. There's there's no the, the doctor is just saying diet and exercise and it means nothing at that point. Well, not only that, but it's just they only prescribe you synthetic drugs to make you feel better it's a quick patch that makes the guys that give them their licenses a shit ton of money at your expense because guess what all of that is poison all of it literally you're poisoning your body every day with this bullshit anybody no one can tell me that being on antidepressants for 30 years is a good thing it's not oh, shit. no no you should never yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's that's horrible. But speaking of poisons, though, I actually found the answer to my question here about the radioactive medicines back in the oh, okay. early 1900s. Oh, go on. And there's a uh, an article here that's chronicled radium uh, radium medicine is condemned January 1933. So like right in the middle of when they're purging all all of these other medical institutions out in America. This is when it comes down. But this is also like in favor of... So maybe Radium Medicine actually did something helpful. Well, yeah, because it says an authoritative uh, statement of the probable uselessness and even more probable dangers of drinking radioactive waters or taking other medicines supposed to contain radium has been issued by the American Medical Association. So was afraid I mean, of us getting superpowers. That, that is a benefit, right? That is a good thing that they did, maybe. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I'd imagine. I, like, yeah, that's I. Aaron, the what, centralization. Does that change anything? Of, Sorry to interrupt, Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah, Aaron. Aaron, how does how does this change your mind? Okay. seeing some good that the American Medical Association has done in the twentieth century. Uh, okay. Like they said, there is less quacks that will be like, "Here, drink this radioactive material." That is true, and that's how they argue to centralize it. The problem true, is, yeah. is that. Then they go, see, we got people to stop drinking radiation. So now here's our <laughs> drug regimen that like, just take the pill, boy. Like that's our what cancer happened. treatment. It's also radiation. 
It's the only effective thing we have, and we haven't actually developed a better way to treat it for, uh, I don't know, the last 60 years. Like, if you believe that, you are a, a complete idiot. You have to be an idiot to think that they can't come up with a better cancer treatment than just radiate it, and uh, it's really expensive, and you got to come in for 12 doses of it, and then... And it basically you'll, kills either you, you die the or the cancer dies, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Porque no los dos. I, I love that when, like, a normally, like, healthy-looking person gets... Like goes into the hospital, finds like this severe thing, and then they start treatment, and then they die within like weeks. And it's like, what the fuck oh, just happened? Instantly. Yeah, like what the fuck? Like they were they were perfectly healthy, and then they started getting treatment, and then died. That was my uncle like, Gary I this year. Really good... My uncle Gary this year. Yeah, I... he had can He found out he had cancer. Started chemo. He ended his chemo treatment. Uh, yeah. Once it was once that finished, he lived three more weeks. Done. Oh my god! He fucking dude. was building it. He's the one that came up when you guys were at my place the Fourth of July on the four wheeler. The old guy with the beard. Yeah, he finished building a log cabin with his cancer. Was going in for treatments about two weeks later and fucking gone, like quick. Holy shit! Like in dude. September, it's like horrible. two months later. There are stories about that with the AIDS epidemic back in the eighties as well. Uh, the medicine, I can't remember the name of it specifically, but the medicine they were using to treat AIDS literally killed every single person that took it in, like, the exact same time frame. Like, it yeah. literally just slowly yeah. poisoned you to death until you were dead. Like, yeah. There, there are articles. Often, that, that's another dig, uh, big deep dive, but uh, I have heard a little bit about that, and I can do that for a later episode. But yeah, that, that's it's a really like 24 one. weeks, Goodness. and they were dead every time. Yeah, like, and from it was the actually the headed to dead. The treatment was headed by Dr. Fauci. The The treatment was headed by Dr. Fauci, too, which is like just blows your fucking mind. It, <laughs> it's it's it was weird back in the fall when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins had their their one like live stream event where and they, they made sure to make a comment about all the great work that they and the, the NIH and CDC have done with the AIDS epidemic and the, the HIV vaccine. And they just were laughing about this vaccine that doesn't exist or, well, you know, that isn't like approved or doesn't effectively doesn't exist. And all the great wor work that they've done with AIDS, as, as Bob just, uh, you know, so so kindly pointed out. Oh, yeah. Not to get off on a complete tangent, because we will have to do a whole AIDS episode. But I have a sneaking suspicion that AIDS is not what they say it is, because as soon as we stopped talking about it, it went away. And now people that do have it can just live with it because they figured out how to treat it. But, like, people didn't stop fucking and, like, more people would have AIDS. Like, that's I'll, insane. I'll do some digging. But I have a doctor. There's a, there's a clip, an interview of a doctor saying that he found the cure for AIDS. He cured over 400 people with it. He brought all of these people that he cured of AIDS. I love hydroxychloroquine. To, <laughs> he brought them to... No, it was more like just, like, vitamins. I think it was like a, a, a like a what? vitamin supplement that they that he gave them. He like overdosed them on like vitamin C or something like that. I'll have to look into it. But he he brought them all onto a press conference. Four hundred uh, people that used to have AIDS that he cured of it, and no media personnel showed up to to, to cover it. None. That, and this was totally. back in the nineties. Back in the nineties. Okay, yeah. So 
just more evidence of how fucked up our medical system is. Okay, let's and go that, back. I can't believe I'm co-host with two guys who hate gay people so much. Well, that was the thing. I was just going to say that. They, how they, What they did to push it was that there was a bunch of gay dudes dying in their mid-30s. And they're like, well, they got AIDS. And it's like, so, no, that's what happens when you are fucking a new stranger every night, have a crippling cocaine addiction, and are just flaming out just going a fucking 100 miles an hour all the time your body breaks down because it cannot handle that lifestyle it had nothing to do with this sex disease that you got from like banging dudes that's ridiculous it was absolutely i i think it's asinine but i i don't think aids is anything what they say it is and if that guy cured it with vitamins it's because he got them out of the doing blow off of some strange dude's dick every night like, that's what cured AIDS. Weird, weird yeah. how that works. All of a sudden, your immune system didn't have a complete shutdown. <laughs> I totally understand. If, if you, if anyone watches the movie Party Monster with Macaulay Culkin and Seth Green, like, they, that is the lifestyle that Aaron is describing right now. It is, like, literally ketamine, cocaine, like, uh, opium, like, everything, ecstasy, like, all in the same night. Like, every night. I'm not night. judging. It seems like a blast, yeah. but it's not healthy yeah. for you. Like, we can all not, agree no. that that's not the same as taking vitamins. No, yeah, and, uh, what's that? I was I was talking with Tanner, and, like, it's something I didn't realize, and that, that puts the mid-30s number, uh, in, in perspective, is, uh, it, it takes, like, 10, 15 years or so for HIV-AIDS to, to like develop into something deadly at all into full-blown hiv to develop into yeah like yeah I, I, that's something i didn't realize and uh you yeah know, thinking about the 35 number that that would be kind of or like mid-30s people dying that would be very much the early threshold and more of an alarmist sort of view on it and if it's true back in the 80s and 90s where these guys they became hiv positive and then within weeks and months of going into the hospital to get treatment all of a sudden they start dropping like flies. It's like, holy shit, this treatment is killing people. And then and then you look at yeah, cancer that, that treatment doesn't... today and you're like, holy shit, this treatment is killing people. <laughs> Why is the treatment yeah, killing I, I everyone? I, I want to comment too that um, I, I saw an interesting YouTube video recently. It, it was this doctor who was describing the problem of uh, overscreening in medicine where effectively overscreening um, or overtesting for various diseases, in particular cancer, Will oftentimes lead to oftentimes lead to overtreatment and uh, various other procedures, which are just going to be take a much worse toll on your body than a lot of these forms of cancer, which might not necessarily even have killed you at all. And like the the uh, ultimately more screening and more diagnoses have led to more deaths over the years. And like that's makes it you know scary to go to the doctor and be worried about being diagnosed with anything to begin with. Yeah, no, I agree. It's. It's not a good outcome <laughs> to walk into the doctor's office and be like, oh, gee, we're going to have to put you on treatment. It's like, oh, fuck. So, no, no. But, uh, Aaron, do you, do you have anything else uh, you want to yes, say about the I American Medical some... Association and the, the development of medical schools and, and uh, credentials in America? Yeah, I will sum this up with a great quote from a doctor from Niagara Falls, actually, uh, at the time, back in the early 1900s, uh, J.W. Hodge, where he said, the medical monopoly or medical trust euphemistically called the American Medical Association is not merely the meanest monopoly ever organized, but the most arrogant, dangerous, and despotic organization which ever managed to free people in this or any other <laughs> age. 
any and all methods of healing the sick by means of safe, simple, and natural remedies are sure to be assailed and denounced by the arrogant leaders of the AMA Doctors, uh, Doctors Trust as fakes, frauds, and humbugs. I love that. Every practitioner of the healing arts who does not ally himself with the medical trust is denounced as a dangerous quack and imposter by the predatory trust doctors. Every sanitarian who attempts to restore the sick to a state of health by natural means without resort to the knife or poisonous drugs, disease-imparting serums, deadly toxins, or vaccines is at once pounced upon by these medical tyrants and fanatics, bitterly denounced, vilified and persecuted to the fullest extent. And that is exactly wow. how the AMA, they basically monopolized medicine, and it's the same medicine you've had from 1939 on. And anyone that tried to do anything alternatively or actually figure out how to treat you without poisoning you for profit was delicensed, called a quack, had their businesses ruined, with the support of unlimited funds from the same people supplying the drugs. And that is that is absolutely true today. If you just open your eyes and have even an ounce of like discernment, you can see that that's true. You aren't even allowed to say that you have questions about the vaccine without getting banned off of any platform where you can even ask a question. You're not allowed to question it. And there's tons of doctors that do. And they don't get a voice. And they lose licenses. They lose grant money. That's how it works. And that's how it's worked for almost 100 years now. That's the thing. We're, we're so many generations in that everyone has been indoctrinated with this approach to medicine. And which is interesting to see how many doctors at this point, at this point in a, a you know, public health quote-unquote crisis are speaking out against the, you know, the mainstream medicine. Yeah, mainstream medicine is literally just a way to advertise for pharmaceutical companies. That's all it is. The end. Not to say that they've never done anything good, but you can see how deep the corruption is in it. And it's crazy. And it was started by a couple billionaires. I, I have one follow-up question. Uh, so this is... The American Medical Association and medical degrees in America. Do you know to what extent other countries and the, the rest of, the, I'll say, the first world has central centralized their medical education and licensing system? Uh, not sure, but if it's anything like, um, like okay, the countries that like, got rid of fluoride and shit like that, like, where they were, there's tons of countries that have banned fluoride, but you know where the most prevalent for that kind of advertising for pharmaceutical companies is, is because it's the global language, English-speaking countries usually keep that kind of stuff going for longer. Um, America, England, Australia are huge for just getting propagandized to constantly because we kind of invented it and we're farther along. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's really just that like language barrier actually saves you in a lot of, in a lot of <laughs> regards. Like uh, since we invented basically the corporate structure of just these giant 
companies that just have taken over things. The more corporatized your country is, the more you, the farther along on this uh, path that you are. Okay. Uh, now I want to follow up all this um, silly centralized medical talk with a, a quick little story about a friendly family farmer and uh, a powerful doctor, Bill Gates. Someone who's, <laughs> oh my uh, god! <laughs> I was so good. Following right the footsteps like of Mister Rockefeller, he's exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> he's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly the same. Uh, just, just wait until you hear this. Um, <clears throat> Bill Gates invents a birth control microchip that can be switched on and off wirelessly. The uh, 20 by 20 by 7 millimeter chip is implanted into the buttocks, our upper arm or abdomen, which releases 30 micrograms of levorgestrel a day. Um, the common uh, birth control pill chemical, the or hormone rather. Um, <laughs> the chip has said to last roughly 16 years. Oh my god. Yes. That's a that's Fighting. a pretty big chip, by the way. The one that they have in the image there, like, woo, baby, that's going in your butt. <laughs> sorry, oh, we don't all have flat asses like you, where you'll just it'll just stick out. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't need to get body shamed on my one, own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I I for one welcome my. Uh, Steady release estrogen or not estrogen, you know, birth the, the hormones. Steady release hormones. Just just wait until the male one that makes you sterile. That'll be great, right? What's great is that if you talk about this chip, they're gonna be like, What are you, conspiracy theorist? And then like in six <laughs> months there's gonna be a girl like, I rented a car to get my anal chip that makes me not pregnant. Yay! Yay! <laughs> she just has a little clip of her throwing her pills out the window and like all these other silly contraceptive devices. I, I think yeah. Aaron okay, is great. I think Aaron is clairvoyant. He can see the future <laughs> as it's happening. <laughs> Dude, uh, my favorite was like one of my favorite ones ever for that, where it's like it just comes true. They cut. They say you're crazy. Say you're crazy. And then brag about the thing that the crazy person said. And it's like it's chemtrails. Just look up Harvard chemtrails, and they like brag about like, yeah, we're trying to block out the sun with spraying aluminum in the air, and uh, <laughs> it, and so that we can save you from global warming. It's like you know what? Don't need it. You you keep the sunshine how it is. You ever notice how the clouds are just flat now? Like. <laughs> the chemtrails are real guys like i don't know what to tell you they yeah, also the, brag about it it's not conspiracy it's general knowledge now the old alex jones was right jar is getting pretty fucking full at this point <laughs> oh yeah we moved on from the jar a long time ago <laughs> we are in the middle of uh, of it yeah crazy right, josh do you have a follow-up on that chip or uh, no, I mean, that's pretty much it. Of course, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation didn't create it themselves. They they uh, were one of the major donors on the scale of about $5 million for the small startup company that did um, that did develop and this And I'm chip. sure they have no say on who sits on the board, what decisions they make. I love all these, like, oh, they just generously donated to this thing and didn't ask anything in return. I like, uh, they, they give a small description, by the way, of how it works. He goes, the hormones are housed inside of an impregnable uh, platinum and titanium seal. A single electrical current triggered by the remote control essentially melts, 
quote unquote, the seal enabling the hormone what? to flow out. Yeah. What? I mean, I mean that's <laughs> what? Oh, a bunch of pl- platinum and titanium being melted into your body. That's no problem. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, whatever. Whatever. No one cares about that. I'm, I'm just wondering what happens <laughs> when someone hacks it and like you know, and dumps you, all like, the a, hormone all at once. <laughs> Yeah, and your hormones go so out of whack that you're super depressed and kill yourself. That's like you know, that's the obvious outcome. Plus, you get an extra dose of platinum and titanium in in your system as well, too. Oh, so boy. I, I'm pretty sure um, um, heavy metals in your bloodstream aren't going to do very well for you. <laughs> Dude, they're actually they they had uh, they come out with bullshit things that are absolutely not true, like spontaneous combustion. And then they're going to invent something that actually makes you spontaneously combust. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they keep implanting things in your body. Eventually, one of them will work, you know. Uh, there, there was one other bullet that I wanted to read. <clears throat> Gates sees the contraceptive chip as not something really intended for the Western world, where no doubt plenty of single women might line up to use the device, but for the developing world, where it is more than just a lifestyle choice, it is a form of reproductive justice what the fuck is reproductive justice no justice no peace i i, I don't you <laughs> fucking no justice no peace you asshole uh i think it means black people that's that's what it justice means black people yeah you know, the every time world. he opens his mouth it's like how can i get the mud people to not reproduce anymore like it, it's fucking oh my insane God. That, he that's, says that's, the most that's what bill shit. gates is saying yeah <laughs> That's why I got kicked out of India because he tried to. He's like, well, oh my God, the unwashed masses over in these developing countries need to stop uh, having so many kids. It's really making me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Crazy. I love it. Well, if any one of you has vaccine hesitancy, don't worry because there is a treatment to COVID-19, so you don't have I'm to get vaccinated. Resolute. Yeah, oh, according to biospace.com and a bunch of other websites that I've looked at, a lot of people are publishing this this news report. Apparently, they found out that an SSRI antidepressant may be effective in early treatments of COVID-19. So don't worry, guys. Don't freak out. Just take your antidepressant and you'll be you'll be good. You'll oh won't even God. worry I'm about COVID. Two of those. Am I am I immune yet? <laughs> you're you're guys, completely immune. <laughs> this is great news. See, the the fifty cent dose medicines don't work, and you're crazy for using those. Which a they do work because it's just placebo effect because COVID's not fucking real. So <laughs> uh, anything works if it makes you stop believing in it, then it works great. But. The other expensive drug made by the same companies that make the vaccines, if you just take those, those also work. So everything that we sell works great. No, just anything you want. Yeah, the the people who save lives also save lives. It's simple. Well, it's great because, like, A, it's an antidepressant. So, like, if you were worried about stuff going on around the world or in your community or in your country, you, you won't be worrying about those things anymore. Plus, you don't have to worry about COVID-19 because A, the drug will make you not care about it and B, the drug will prevent you from getting sick from it. It's great. But I also love like there's a psych- psychological effect to this because everyone knows the placebo effect. And I think this carries over because the study originated from people who were already on SSRIs. And that uh, doctors did like a study to find out that people already on SSRIs uh, got infected less 
with COVID nineteen and there's less hospitalizations and stuff like that. So like uh, they in- didn't fall for the fucking freaking out and fear porn because they're already it, heroin exactly. addicts. So they didn't give a shit. Exactly. There's no control for it. They had no idea if they were yeah, getting tested as much of, uh, as other people not on SSRIs. They had no idea like how much like panic inducing fear that these people like. If you just talk to like a random person that's worried about COVID, like they're fucking terrified. They're fucking terrified of this shit. Just like we played in like that song the other week where the guy is like, I he has no fear of death because he got the vaccine. He's like, these people <laughs> have lost their minds, and the actual treatment here is a mental one not a physical one which is funny in itself like they're they they're admitting it but not admitting it at the same time study finds that uh (laughs) not believing in covid makes it completely go away and also if you're amish and didn't even know that covid was happening you don't get it it's weird how that works yeah by the way not being a hypochondriac retard by not being a hypochondriac retard you you won't get sick sick as often (laughs) yeah Wow! <laughs> it was obnoxious when all these Lars tweets were coming out, uh, talking about uh, all. Uh, I, have, I have all these patients who who don't believe in the disease, but they're dying and they're on ventilators, and they're uh, uh, why why can't I just convince them that they're dying of a real disease? Fucking nerd. I okay. Can I just want to? I know that I just proposed to my now fiance but i really want to convince her that i have to propose to a second wife because i really need this chick to be in my life you have to play play the clip (laughs) play the clip of this black chick just telling everybody the greatest rant on covid ever and i think that's a good way for us to wrap this up because this is yes i wish everybody was more like this because then you wouldn't be tricked by these these psychopaths that run these pharmaceutical companies and are ruining your life right now a lot of y'all might not like me after this but i don't give a fuck i'm gonna say what the fuck needs to be said and what people don't want are really thinking but don't want to say fuck covid we're fucking over it if you're a scary ass bitch and you want to fucking wear your mask wear your mask bitch i have a right to breathe in motherfucking peace if you're one of those motherfuckers that think you're gonna catch it keep your motherfucking dumb ass in the house okay that is on you if you want to get vaccinated bitch get vaccinated that is not on us to get vaccinated leave us the fuck alone AIDS is real, diabetes is real, cancer is real, all these shits is real, car accidents, <laughs> strokes, heart attacks, all types of shit, accidental death, we're gonna die, everybody dies, our government doesn't get the right to dictate how the fuck we live in a pandemic, you don't either bitch, cause this is motherfucking America, I am free, I have a right to breathe how the fuck I wanna breathe, so for those who don't understand, fuck you and fuck COVID, next, she, is she having a manic <laughs> episode, I think she's uh, off her meds again, can, I'm, can someone check if she's on her meds? Oh, hallelujah, girl. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's she's great. Dude, oh my god, she's beautiful too. Holy shit. I wish I could talk with the clarity of a sassy black chick. <laughs> There's a certain <laughs> level of authority in the sass too. I love it. <laughs> like, Dude, she's no one, my favorite person yeah. of all time. <laughs> no, no middle-aged white stay-at-home mom would ever argue with that. <laughs> No, ever, ever. <laughs> if that if that got broadcast tomorrow on everybody's phone and television, everybody like, oh, I guess we're done with COVID. She said so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's absolutely beautiful. I love it. All right, let's hit these voicemails. We're just, we're just running these cold. I don't even have any idea what they're about. 
Hey, Tucker Dixon here. Uh, this really sucks watching you guys set up instead of actually watching the podcast. So figure your shit out and quit being fucking dumbasses. Anyways, Tucker out. Tucker, hey, well, yeah, but can you leave in all of our finding the voicemails in the clip section just to add, you know, add to the effect of this clip and us figuring our shit out, as it were? So yeah, this the- is our it's our normal state. Is trying to figure out how to run any of this stuff at all. <laughs> so fuck you, Tucker. I, also, I, I destroyed I w- you in that debate, by the way, at the live show. So I would like to <laughs> point out the you. live show. The live show. There were sacrifices made to make that live show happen audio recording wise. Andrew put in a great amount of time and effort and equipment into our recording setup and he sacrificed his chili contest, <laughs> which I don't think it was going to go very well in the first place, but he did sacrifice a lot of his time to help us with that. When he should have been cooking his chili. If you, <laughs> if you tell me that he made a sacrifice and it wasn't us making the sacrifice by eating that, like, just pot of hot sauce that he boiled for us. And <laughs> that I don't know what to tell you, that, he made. that was disgusting. He made a meat sauce condiment, not a chili. <laughs> yeah, the only thing that made that chili not horrible was how bad Justin's chili was. It was one of the worst things I've ever eaten in my entire life. <laughs> well, let's not let's not deep dive into Kevin or uh, Justin's chili because that that's like a whole episode too. Oh God, yeah, that oh, was Jesus that Christ. was made as a joke. To, uh, <laughs> Come back I think next I'm week as we now. talk I'm... about give in-depth reviews of the six different chilies from Cabin Three, Cabin oh. Cubed. Excuse me. Aaron sterilized. That sterilized me right there. That that was better than a Bill Gates microchip. <laughs> Whatever was in that, I haven't recovered from. Oy vey, thanks, Justin. <laughs> and one. Oh God! Somebody left a three-minute <laughs> yeah. voicemail of just random talking. That that was an unvetted well, voicemail right there. You can cut yep, it, this is cut what happens out. when you try to run them cold. <laughs> we have any faith in these guys. We appreciate it's a we butt appreciate dial. everyone who calls in. Even the butt Thank dials. You. Yeah, it's like a five-minute voicemail of just talking <laughs> through somebody's pocket. Oh, worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's thank uh, you for listening, guys. I hope you learned a lot, and I hope you uh, stop taking vaccines, become an anti-vaxxer because uh, they're all bullshit, all of them. Hallelujah! Well, this is part two of join the good guys being anti-vaxxer. <laughs> yeah, I would have thought that was a crazy stance like six months ago. It's not. Yeah, really it's saying. all poison. <gasps> all right. Goodness gracious! Good thank night. you for listening. Good night, guys. Night.